You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. The primary characters here in Mark 4, 35 through 41 are Jesus and his disciples. The root meaning of a disciple is a learner. Someone that's being showed the way. They're learning. They they don't know the way, but they're being showed the way. Biblically, it's clear that Jesus expects his disciples to go from being learners to disciples indeed. To the point to where they understand deliverance of being made free. Matter of fact, I probably just need to read read that. Um, let's go to John the eighth chapter and consider just two verses, verses thirty one and thirty two. Keeping in mind that again, a disciple is a learner, but Jesus expected his disciples to go from being learners to bona fide disciples or disciples indeed. Consider John the 8th chapter, verses 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So notice when he considers a person a disciple indeed, the person abides in what he or she has learned. You learn it and you abide there. Now understand, things will try to get you off track. But Jesus again say, if, if you abide in my word or what you have learned, you are my disciples indeed. Now how many know the text uh, is not just for the people Jesus was talking to at the time, it's for us. If you're going to be a bona fide disciple or disciple, indeed, uh, you can't be to the point to where you're, you're just learning. You have to apply what you hear and stay there. You have to stay in the word. The worst place to be is out of the word, but the best place to be is in the word. And, and then notice as he goes on to say to them in verse 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. When you're a disciple indeed or bona fide disciple, you, you will have knowledge about the truth. 
And according to John 14 and 6, Jesus is the truth. Because John 14 and 6, Jesus stated, I am the way. And then secondly, the truth. He is the truth. You're going to know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And we know without question that Jesus will free you. That's the reason we're not wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up on what used to have us bound. How many can testify right now that it wasn't nobody but Jesus that made you free? And the Bible says, whom the Son of Man makes free. Help me. Is free? Good God, that sound is so good. Let's do it one more time. And whom the Son of Man makes free. Is free how? You'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Truth is powerful. When it makes you free, it says that it will cause whatever you're going through to change. It's the reason you never need to allow your present situation to dictate to you your future. Allow the truth to dictate your future. Because it is the truth and only the truth that will make you free. When the truth frees or changes you, it says that it's going to deliver you. It's going to prosper you. It's going to protect you. It's going to turn your situation completely around. And don't look at me strange. That, that's some of our testimonies. That, that the truth just turned us completely around. Turn our money around. Turn our mindset around. Turn around how we talked. Turn around how we look at things. It may look negative, but that that does not mean we're going to look at it in a negative sense. We know how to look beyond the negative and see the positive in reference to the word of God. Am I telling truth? And so a disciple is supposed to be a person of progression, a person that that progresses, a person that goes from one step to another step, from one level to another level. A disciple is a person or a child of God that is not going to stay in the same place. That's the reason I, I really have a problem with people that are born again but never grow. My question to you is is that when when are you going to just stop learning and become part of what God intended for you to be when he dropped in you faith, when he dropped in you the word of God? How many are understanding? Now, if you'll notice that the disciples actually identified Jesus properly in the text when they Call him teacher. Because every disciple needs a teacher. I said every disciple needs a teacher. Someone that's going to train him or her in the manner that they need to be trained. Someone that can train a person how to think, how to talk, and how to act. That's what a good teacher is. A good teacher will show a person the way. And ecclesiastically, a good teacher will show a person the way according to the principles of the church, both on the inside of the sanctuary as well as outside 
the sanctuary. And so they identified Jesus in the text again correctly as teacher. And when you have a person that's teaching you right, it's imperative to mimic that person, to follow that person step by step. Not only to learn from the person, but to apply everything that the person is releasing into your spirit. How many are understanding by a show of hands? And so, Jesus in the text said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. And the other side being that he wanted to go from one side of a body of water, whether a river or a lake or the sea, to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Now, literally, it should have been something easy in reference to the disciples because a number of the disciples were professional fishermen they knew about the water as a matter of fact when when the lord met peter and and others they were fishing at the time they were out in boats fishing so it it should have been a simple task Let, let us just go from from one side to the other side and when you consider the text seemingly Jesus looked at it as a simple task that the disciples could handle because once he got in the boat, he got comfortable, got him a pillow, went to the back of the boat, and went to sleep. I said he got in the boat, got comfortable, got a pillow, went to the back of the boat, probably wanted some privacy, And he went to sleep. Sleep is good. Yeah. And and, and with Jesus' schedule, it, it was probably a wonderful thing as well. Because after doing all he, he had done that particular day, he, he probably was tired. And wanted to get him some rest. And when I look at the text, he was getting some good sleep. And notice why I say that. Because a storm arose. And notice the text specifically says a wind storm. Doesn't talk about the rain. So, so apparently no rain was with this particular wind storm. And so even though it was a wind storm, He was not disrupted. Did not allow the wind to interfere with his sleep. He was in deep sleep. Now, I'm not a deep sleeper. How many deep sleepers we have in here? I mean, you sleep, you can sleep with the TV on. Where where are you at now? Some of y'all in here. Yeah. I would talk about you, but I ain't going to talk, talk about you. But, but I, I'm just going to say this right here. I don't understand how anybody can sleep with a TV on. 
I like for everything to be dark. I like it to be quiet when I sleep. Jesus was sleeping hard. When I look at the text, that's, that's what I say. He was sleeping hard. And so he did not allow the wind to disrupt him. Now, biblically, Paul taught in reference to wind from a figurative standpoint in that he basically told Timothy and the people of God, you don't need to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Bottom line, do not allow wind to move you out of your set place. You have some things that will arise in your life that are like the wind. That will try to move you from one place to another. But you cannot allow that thing or that person to move you out of your set place. Let me break it down a little more. God telling you better is here and better is coming. You cannot allow a temporary state of worse to move you out of your set place. Life happens and sometimes life can, can, can throw something bad your way. But you can't allow the bad to dictate to you better is not coming. How many going to help me preach? Preach to somebody don't allow anything. Including words to move you out of your fixed place. Better is here and better is what? And don't allow anything or anybody to move you out of your season. Don't allow anything or anybody to move you out of your set place. Because you're going to have things, you're going to have folk that will try to move you out of your set place, but you have to make up in your mind that you're going to stay in the will of God. Remember again, John 8, 31 and 32, if you are a bona fide disciple, you're going to abide in the... Y'all didn't say it with no authority. Let's try it one more time. You're going to abide in the... If you abide in my word, you're my disciple... And you'll know the truth and the truth shall what? Said so your neighbor, you got to stay in your fixed place. <laughs> and so Jesus did not allow the wind to disrupt him. Now, the purpose contextually in reference to Jesus and his disciples was for them as a group as a congregation, to stay on the same page. Same page being, we're going to go from one side to the other side. We're going to go from one step to the next step. We're going to go from one level to the next level. We're going to stay on the same page. Same as us. 
pastor don't need to be going to a level by himself. We're going to do this thing. We need to do it corporately. We need to be together. Though we are different, we need to be on the same page. And so, instead of the disciples being on the same page when the wind arose, they were the complete opposite of Jesus. Jesus did not allow the windstorm to disrupt him, but they did. That's not on the same page. That's not being one. That's not being one. Now, now this is the thing. The disciples, when the wind did arise, they went back to the stern, seeing the Lord on the pillow, asleep. And so they had the opportunity to, to just say, wait, we following him? He ain't allowing it to disrupt him. We shouldn't allow it to disrupt us. Say to your neighbor, they didn't do that. Say to another neighbor, they didn't do that. They question his authority. They not only got off the page with Jesus... They question his authority, you holding on, and his love. Oh, I need to show you again in the text. They question his authority and his love. Now, this is amazing. Now, remember, he was their teacher. They had been taught better. You hear me? But they question his authority and his, his love. Let me prove it. Look at verse 38. They awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? Questioning his love. Do you not care? What? That we are perish. And questioning his authority. You are a teacher. You are our authority. Don't you care that we are we are perishing? It, it's amazing how certain things can happen. And members or a member can think that the pastor don't care. You can ne- you, you you never need to be to the point to where you allow the enemy to play with your mind to the point to where you think. That whether it's your pastor or other leaders in the church, 
that nobody cares. I've heard folks say dumb stuff like, there is no love in the church. And and when folks say something like that, you be like, God, God. I mean, it's the devil's church. Well, if it ain't no love in the church, it's got to be of the devil. Now, they, 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 there may be a person in the church that's not loving, and you do have that. You have folk that, that should be more lovable or more loving, but they're, they're not. That's the reason I, I like to tell folk, look, if certain things happen, don't expect me to call, don't expect me to come, because that's just not what I do. But I'll make sure you've seen about somebody from the church to call you and make sure, but don't ever think because I didn't call that. That just, that just ain't what I do. But I know what's going on with you. You understand what I'm saying? You 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 have to you have to watch it because when when you say certain things like that, it says about you that you are either an immature person or you don't understand the real concept of what it is when it comes to the ministry of a pastor. Uh, or in Jesus' case, the ministry of a teacher. Because the disciples felt like because he wasn't up doing what they wanted him to do. That he didn't care. And sometimes you can think when, when your leader is not doing what you want your leader to do, that your leader does not care. But that's not the case. Y'all with me? Okay, I don't want to lose you, so just stay with me. Am I, am I contextual? Yeah. And so, they ask him the question again, Lord, Lord, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And one thing I, I have learned is that you don't answer dumb questions. You don't. You 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 got you got to get away from asking stupid questions. And you got some folks that no question is stupid. Yeah yeah, that, there are some stupid questions there. I know sometimes we be nice. No matter what you ask, it's not stupid. We can we can we can be nice and say stuff like that. But that just ain't the truth. There are some questions that people ask. They ain't they ain't got no business asking. Woo! Good God. I better go over here. There are some questions that people ask they ain't got no business asking. Some questions if you are a mature person, you ask, you ought to be ashamed that you ask. I said some questions if you are a mature person, you ought to be ashamed that you ask. Now, see, I could just say automatically about this section and that section, y'all ain't showing me no love right now. But I, I ain't going to go there. 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 
but I don't care what you say. There are some questions that, that some folks just too mature to be asking. Jesus. Look at look at look at the the thirty uh, eighth verse of Mark four, four again. The last question that the disciples asked him, Teacher, do do you not care? That we are perishing. He didn't answer that. He wasn't going to answer that. Some things you don't answer. You get a silent treatment. You ain't got nothing to say. Just, just don't say nothing. You don't respond to that. How many have ever been given the silent treatment? And see, some folk get mad when you give them the silent treatment. They done ask something dumb and you ain't saying that. Oh, you can't, you can't answer? You can't say nothing? Not to that, but you want to say that, you just... Jesus, after they had woke him up, messed up his sleep, he got up and look at what he did. He rebuked. Look at this. What did he rebuke? And then he talked to what? He rebuked what? And he talked to what? He rebuked the what? And he talked to what? He used his authority. He used his authority. He put into action Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and what? And the power of the what? So he spoke to the sea. And he killed. Stop. Halt. End. It was done. That's what he did. Right? Then, after doing that, because he was their teacher, he had to address them. He had to address them. He didn't address the stupid question, but he addressed them based upon what they should have done as well as their attitude. He addressed their attitude. Addressed their mindset. He had to because he, he done been teaching them faith. But they were operating in the flesh. The two opposites of faith are operating in the flesh and operating in 
fear. And the disciples obviously were operating in both. They were operating in the flesh and operating in fear. And, and see, when you walk according to the flesh, you're going to die. You can't do that. The just our disciples have to live by. So let's let's deal with let's deal with this for a minute, and I'm gonna be done. Y'all okay? Okay. Verse forty. First question he asks his disciples: Why are you so fearful? Remember what I just said? Fear is the opposite of what? Faith. Why are you so fearful? We're supposed to be on the same spirit. We're supposed to be on the same page, operating the same spirit of faith. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? I'm finna drop a bomb. But it's biblically based. Say, say to your neighbor when you're, fearful, when you're fearful, it says that you ain't got no courage. You a wimp. You a wannabe. You a weakling. That offend you? Let me show you something. Well, let me drop this bomb on you before I even show it to you. No, let me go ahead and go to the scripture. And then I'll drop it on you with the scripture. Y'all all right with that? Let's go to Deuteronomy. Fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy. I'm going to read two verses in Deuteronomy chapter 20. I'm going to read two verses. Deuteronomy chapter 20. Remember what we got on the table. Jesus asked his disciples, why are you so fearful? Why are you acting like a wimp? Why are you acting like you ain't been taught? Why are you acting like you, you ain't came out of revival? You just came out of revival. Why are you acting like you ain't been in revival? Deuteronomy 21. Ready? This is, this is what was told to the, to the people of God. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more, help me, numerous or bigger than you, do not be what? For the Lord your God is what? Who brought you up from the land of who? Now bottom line, if you go out with you, it don't matter how many are against you, you're still what? More. Because God is omnipotent. Say your neighbor, God is omnipotent. Say that to one more person. God is omnipotent. So that means he's all powerful. That means he got more power than necessary to get whatever job needs to be done, done. You need to always remember that. Whatever man can't do doesn't mean anything if you got God with you. Or whatever man been bragging about what he can do 
doesn't mean anything if you got God with you. Because if God is with you and everybody else is, is against you, you're still what? How many got Deuteronomy 21 in you? Let's go to verse 8. Same chapter, Deuteronomy 28. The officers shall speak further to the people. Now, now, they already know God with them, but look, the officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who else help me? And let him what? And return well. Go home. Old folk would say, take your in home. <laughs> if you feel for go where? If you feel for go where? If you feel for go where? There are folks that can know that God is with them, but still feel for because of what they see. Because they're operating in the flesh and not by faith. He's let them go home. Send them home. Look, 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 look at why. He said, let him, let him go and return to his house lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. See, you can't hang with folks that are fearful. If you hang with folks that are fearful, it'll get on you. Say to your neighbor, spirits transfer. That's when you can't hang with everybody. Yeah, I still, me and her still talk. Why? Why? You know what she about? Why? You know she don't believe this? Why? You cannot allow it to happen. You can't. Let's go further. Lord have mercy. Let's go to Judges. You ripping? Go with it. Go with me to judges. Judges is what? Six, seven. Right after Joshua, you'll find what? Look at Judges, the seventh chapter, and we're gonna start at verse one. Keep in mind what we got on the table. Jesus asked his disciples the question, "Why are you so what?" Why are you so what? Judges 71. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Harad. So that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give 
the Midianites into their hands. Let Israel claim glory for itself against me. Saying, my own hand has what? Now therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever ills help me, and let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned. And 10,000 what? Twenty-two thousand chickens. That's what we used to call fearful folks. Y'all remember that? Some of the young folks look like what? That's what we used to call folks. Twenty-two thousand were afraid. That means out of what, 35, 40 ministers, thank y'all so much, out of 35 or 40 ministers, at least 29 are fearful. We sure don't need that to be the case, do we? Especially when you know God is with you. Why are you so fearful? Now, when you look at Deuteronomy and Judges, the bottom line, if you are a child of God and you're fearful, God can't use you. He can't use you. That's the bottom line. In, in Deuteronomy 20, what did he tell him? Go home. Judges 7, what did he tell him? Go home. If you're fearful, you will hurt more than help. Look at Judges 20 and 8. He said, look, if, if they're fearful, they're going to start affecting other folk. You're going to hurt more than help if you're fearful. That's the reason when you are expecting God to do a great thing, you can't get everybody to pray with you. That's the reason when, when, when you are looking for God to do something great and, and you need somebody to agree with you that it's going to happen, you have to be selective. Let's go back to Mark. I think I done dealt with that. You understand, right? We don't need no fear for what? We don't need no fear for folk. But then he went on to ask them, the question here in Mark 4 and 40, the second question that I really want to deal with it 
is how is it that you have no faith? Now understand something. He was not talking about the measure of faith. How many understand the measure of faith? If you don't, let me show you something real quick. Go with me to um, Romans the 12th chapter. I think where I need to go. And I think I want to look at, I think it's the third verse. Yeah, look at, look at Romans the 12th chapter and third verse. Paul said, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of what? God has dealt to each one a measure of what? He, he was not talking about the measure of faith when he was talking to his disciples. When he asked his disciples, the ones that had been learning from him, how is it you have no faith? He was talking about the God kind of faith. See, because when, when something bigger than you attacks you, the measure of faith ain't going to get the job done. You have to use the God kind of faith. You have to use faith that God has been imputing into your spirit week in and week out. When you are attacked by a spirit that's telling you it ain't going to work out, you cannot use faith that every man, whether saint or sinner, has been given. You have to use that faith that comes from the Word of God. You know Romans 10 and 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Romans 10, 14 and 15 in part. But how shall they hear without a preacher? Say to your neighbor, he was wondering how in the world could they not have what they had been given? How is it that you have, look at the text, no. Say to your neighbor, they were without faith. You know what that, you know what the implication is? If Jesus was not there, they would have died. If Jesus was not in the boat, the physical man, they would have If the Lord had not intervened, Even though they asked him if he cared. If he wouldn't have intervened, they would have died. But let me deal with them having no faith. Because sometimes, even though we don't have been given faith, we act like we don't have no faith. You didn't hear what the pastor preached. Man, you didn't, you wanted, you didn't hear that teaching Tuesday? Yeah, like you ain't heard that teaching Tuesday. So, so you didn't hear it. So, so he just taught on that. When you, yeah, I was here. Then you, yeah, I heard it. But what? What's the but? If you heard it, what's the problem? If you heard it, what's the deal? Like, just put it into action. 
and watch God work it. Because it'll work if you. But if you don't work it, if you don't put it into action, it ain't going to work. I'm going to deal with no faith and then I'm done. The question is on the table. Why is it you have what? Why is it you have what? And that happens to us sometimes, even though we haven't been taught the word. Now, let's, let's, let's look at the implications from a biblical standpoint. First, it says that, that you're dead. Let's go to James chapter 2. Oh, that mercy. Thank God we ain't got to drive an hour away today. We just got to go next door to the MSW. So we are right James chapter 2. In reference to the next service. That's what I'm talking about. James chapter 2 verse 18. This is what we'll start. Ready? But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my what? Verse 19. You believe that there is one God? You do well even the demons what? And what? Verse 20. But do you want to know? Oh, 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 oh. Foolish man or woman. That faith without works is what? Faith without works is what? That means it's no faith. It is no faith. If you're hearing but you won't do it. You had, you, you're exemplifying that you don't have no faith. Faith without works is what? Yeah. Faith without works is what? Yeah. Okay, how much you hear it, how much you quote it, you gotta, you gotta put it into action. Cause faith without works is what? Yeah. And when you have faith but you don't put it into action based upon the text, you're stupid. Or foolish. Rev. Walker called folk foolish today. Now make sure you, you give them the scripture. Because Rev. Walker didn't just call y'all foolish, did he? Look at this verse again, verse 20. James 2 and 20. But do you want to know who? That faith without what? Is what? When, when, when you have been given the God kind of faith, but you don't use it, you're foolish. That's the reason we, we, can, we can take this further by looking at scriptures like Psalm 14 and 1. The fool has said in his, get this, heart. There is what? What is the heart? It represents in one sense the choices. And when you have faith but you don't use it, that means you didn't choose to use it. So that means you're operating as a fool. Nobody has to call you a fool because it speaks for. Say to your neighbor, I don't want to be nobody's fool. Especially my own. Don't mess up your own self by being stupid. Man, this sounds hard. It sounds hard, don't it? But it's right. 
And you know, you, you can try to soften it, but I, you can't really soften this to the point to where it ain't going to hurt a little bit. It's going to hurt no matter how I put it down. I can slow it down a little bit, but it's still going to hurt a little because faith without works is what? And if you are getting the word of God, which is faith, but you're not putting it into action, you're being foolish. Lord have mercy. We got to take it further. Y'all ready to take it a little further? Consider Hebrews 11 chapter. Just turn the page. Hebrews is, is uh, next to James. Just go back to the 11th chapter and the 6th verse. Well, the 11th chapter and the 6th verse. Ready? But without faith it is impossible to please who? I'm just going to stop right there for, for now. If you don't have no faith, guess who you ain't going to please? How many of you want to please God? Bottom line, you're going to have to have some faith. If you're going to please God, you're going to have to have some faith. If I'm going to please him, I'm going to have to show him that, that what I've been hearing according to his word, I'm living it. I'm speaking it. I'm thinking it. I'm, I'm doing it. If I don't do that, I'm not pleasing him. Tears don't move God. Unless those tears are coupled with faith. It is faith that moves God. If I'm crying, asking God to help me, yeah, that's going to move him. But if I'm crying, having a pity party, that ain't going to move God. Let's finish the verse. Hebrews 11 and 6. Ready? For without Faith, it is to please who? For he who must that and see faith moves God. When God sees that you're going to trust him despite what you see, despite what you feel, despite what you're going through, that causes him to do for you what your eyes have not seen. That causes God to reverse conditions. That causes God to open up windows, pour out blessings. You don't have room to receive. Faith moves God. Who's going to help me preach that? Preach the two folk. Faith moves God. I mean, understand that. Final thing. First John 5 and 4. Let's go down. First John 5 and 4. I'm closing with this. Lord have mercy. Y'all ready? First John 5 and 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And the world represents problems, situations, issues, and I can go on. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And guess what? You're going to have trouble in reference to the world. 
You're going you're gonna, you're gonna to have things that's going to pop up in your life you're going to have to overcome. You hear me? Some folks that when I thought when I got saved, I wouldn't have to worry about no trouble no more. Yeah, you, you, yes, you are. Matter of fact, uh, Psalm 34 and 19 said, many are the afflictions of who? But then God delivers him or her out of? You're going to have trouble. I don't care who you are. Whatever is born of God overcomes what? But look at what he goes on to say. Help me read it. Ready? Read. Wait a minute. Let's, let's try it on one. Some of y'all, come on now. Come on. Come on. Y'all ready? Read. Even our what? Our faith. If you're going to overcome your difficulties, you're going to have to have some faith. And who is he talking to? The ones that are born of God. Disciples. You're going to have to have some faith to overcome. In certain things you go through in life, if you are going to overcome them, child of God, you're going to have to use your faith. The medicine ain't going to work. You're going to have to use your faith. Good credit, but your good credit ain't going to work. Folk tell you, you had good credit, you can get it. Look, it's certain thing for, well, you got good credit, but it ain't enough. What? You mean it, it, it's good, but it ain't? No. Let me tell you something. Faith overcomes the world. Faith. That's what the Bible says. But, but, but understand this. No faith. The world going to put a whipping on you. If you don't overcome it, what's going to happen? It's going to conquer you. It's going to destroy you. If, if, if you don't put faith on depression, depression will destroy you. If you don't put faith on your physical condition that's trying to keep you from doing certain things, that thing will conquer you. Do you know it's folks that literally die of a broken heart? But flipping that, you know folks have, have overcome broken hardness through faith. Faith, faith can give you the desire to live that, that's stronger than whatever is attacking your body. The problem can still exist, but it's not affecting you in the manner it's affecting other folk because of your faith. Why? Because faith is a conqueror. Faith overcomes the world. How you going to deal with that problem, Walker? Faith. How you going to deal with that issue? Faith. How you going to deal with all that controversy? Faith. How you going to deal with what you don't have? Faith. How you going to deal with this, that, and the other? Faith. Say your neighbor, faith overcomes. But if you don't operate in faith, if you have no faith, 
You ain't going to be able to see the conquering power of God manifesting your life the way God desires it to manifest. I mean, understand that. Let me see them hands. You understand what I'm talking about. Faith over Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.